Welcome to Sistery History, the podcast where we two sisters discuss a historical event or experience, but instead of facts and figures, we focus on the senses to offer a different perspective on things. In each episode, we'll take a few historical primary sources and have a light-hearted chat about sounds, smells, tastes. You get the idea. I'm Big Sister Laura. I'm Little Sister Caroline. We hope you'll find out something interesting you didn't know before, or perhaps you'll think about something in a slightly different way. But mostly, we'd love you to have fun. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 6, Cocktail Hour. The season finale, no less. The word symposium comes from Greek roots and roughly translates as to drink together. But despite the name, these social events weren't just about the drinking. Good food, entertainment and intellectual debate were must-haves if you wanted to host a successful symposium. And if you were keen to get ahead in society, then proving yourself a good party host would definitely help. The ancient Greeks wouldn't have won any awards for diversity here though. These occasions were the preserve of aristocratic males and the only females that featured would either be staff members or providers of the entertainment. Nevertheless, there was much fun to be had, so we're finishing off season two with a wine-soaked revel which you are cordially invited to. And how apt, Laura, that we're recording this episode on the first day of Saturnalia. So true. Yo Saturnalia. Yo Saturnalia. What tipple are you imbibing today? So we thought it would be quite appropriate if we had a little drink of watered-down wine, obviously for me, along with the talk about the symposium. How about you, Laura? What are you going with? I have gone for a very de rigueur in classical Athens, uh, gin and slim. (laughs) (laughs) Who have we got joining us at our very exclusive drinks party? It is very exclusive, for there are only two guests. <laughs> oh, that's a bit lame. It's not good for our social standing, is it, that we could only drum up the two? Well, you never know who might come along later. That's true. We've got Xenophon today, a new entry. Philosopher, historian, also a military man. He was writing in the 4th century BCE, and he wrote a lot of stuff. He wrote history, biography and dialogues, but also some how-to books on horsemanship and hunting with dogs. Okay, handy. And also he wrote about how Athens should deal with financial and economic crises kind of all-rounder really isn't it definitely handy to have around in this day and age too and a returning favorite plato philosopher lived in athens from a noble family friend and pupil of socrates also writing in the fourth century bce would you like to kick us off today caroline i would i've got a bit of plato for you to give you a little bit of context this is from plato's symposium which is an account of a symposium or drinking party A certain Alcibiades has shown up, shall we say, a little bit late, and he is trying to gain entry to the party. This is Plato's Symposium 212D to 213B. A few moments later, they heard the voice of Alcibiades in the forecourt, very drunken and bawling loud to know where Agathon was, and bidding them bring him to Agathon. So he was brought into the party by the flute girl and some others of his people supporting him. He stood at the door, crowned with a bushy wreath of ivy and violet, and wearing a great array of ribbons on his head. Good evening, sirs, he said. Will you admit to your drinking a fellow very far gone, or shall we simply set a wreath on Agathon, which is indeed what we came for, and go away? I was unable to get to you yesterday, but now I am here with these ribbons on my head so that I can pull them off mine and twine them about the head of the cleverest, the handsomest. Come, tell me straight, am I to enter on the terms stated or not? Will you take a cup with me or no? 
At this, they all boisterously acclaimed him, bidding him enter and take a seat. So he came along with the assistance of his people, and while unwinding the ribbons for the purpose of wreathing his friend, he so focused on this that he failed to notice Socrates, and actually took his seat on the couch. Then Agathon said to the servants, take off Alcibiades' shoes so that he can recline here with us too. Loving all the ribbon chat. <laughs> so if we go through the imagery there, do you have any idea of what I'm going to talk to you about? Sight? No, I'm going to talk to you about touch. Touch, okay. First of all, we've got him being held up by several people. <laughs> Love it. Slaves, definitely, or maybe his friends. There's a common theme in sympotic art and literature about being supported by people. So I think over-imbibing was a common theme. Right, so you... you're slumped and you can't hold up your own body weight. Yeah. I'm sad. <laughs> We've got him standing in the doorway with a wreath of ivy and violets on his head. Sounds nice. Fragrant, nice. Mm. Essentially, it's a drinking hat. <laughs> <laughs> there was some belief that some of the plants might counteract the effects of alcohol. Mm-hmm. That's wishful thinking, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. But it was definitely specific. This wreath was specific to having a symposium. So if you saw people walking in the streets wreathed, it means they'd either come from or they were going to a symposium. Okay. Then you've got the ribbons. Yeah. The bit you've been waiting mm -hmm. for. Tied around his head. Are they part of the wreath or are they separate and they're tied onto separate areas? I think there's a wreath, but then that can also have ribbons about it. But then if you can't be bothered to add the ribbons to the wreath, you might just wrap ribbons around someone's okay, head. Okay, so it's, you know, whatever you fancy. Exactly. Again, this is very celebratory, isn't it? But it's also akin to being awarded a prize. Say at the Olympics, mm. you could have a ribbon. Yeah. And you definitely get a wreath. So he wants to crown his friend Agathon as the cleverest and the handsomest. So mm -hmm. that's quite a nice image, isn't it? Wrapping a ribbon around someone's head, actually crowning them and mm. awarding them. Yeah, that's nice. Now, Alcibiades has clearly been to a lot of parties because he's got a lot of ribbons around his head. Oh, right. So is it one ribbon per party? You get you, one tied on for each. You pick them up event. along the way. <gasps> Love it. So he's been on a party crawl. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> he's going for a drinking crawl. Now, it's funny you should say tie one on because I started thinking about that saying. Do you know this saying? Yeah, because it does relate to having a drink, doesn't it? It does. So I'm going to go and tie a few on tonight. Yeah. And I looked it up and there was very, very sketchy, murky that didn't really make much sense. Mm. So I am going to sit here today and purport that it comes from tying ribbons around your head. Professor Caroline, I salute you. So again, if we go back to touch, you've got the specific feeling of wearing the wreath. You've got maybe very tight ribbons around your head, depending on who's been tying them. Mm. Might be quite uncomfortable, but you're definitely in a party hat situation. <laughs> then he sits down because he's so drunk, he doesn't realise that he's taken Socrates' seat. Right. This is showing that the Greeks reclined at these symposia. Mm -hmm. So the idea is you lie on your left-hand side and you hold your wine cup and you take some food with your right hand very similar to the romans reclining at dinner yes so it's a whole body experience again it's not just your bum sitting on a chair in a pub maybe your elbows on a table your whole body is involved in this position and everyone can see you as well importantly it's very exposing but then finally my final point is none of this can happen without the slaves they're propping you up they're handing out the wine, they're refilling your cups for you, they're taking your shoes off for you. 
you're being touched by slaves. It's also a very intimate experience with the rest of the people in the room. You're sharing a couch with somebody Mm -hmm. and it's in this very enclosed space with no windows and the only purpose of this room is for drinking. Actually, that's a good point. You mentioned that enclosed space, the Andron, right? Yes. The name refers to a male space. The men's room. The men's room. Mm. (laughs) So no windows? No windows. The imagery on the walls may be of drinking parties. So just imagine you're in a casino, somewhere like that. They don't know what the time is. Mm. you're enclosed in this space and it's a very specific space for this purpose it had raised edges around the side of the room to hold the couches it's a very easily identifiable space in greek houses wow okay i didn't know that thanks Mm. so there you go touch i will take us forward with xenophon from his work also called the symposium i know they needed some (laughs) they weren't very inventive (laughs) with the titles but at least you know what you're getting So this is Xenophon from his Symposium, sections 1.3 to 1.4. On catching sight of a group comprising Socrates, Critobulus, Hermogenes, Antisthenes and Charmides, Callias asked one of his servants to escort Autilicus and the other guests home. He then went over to Socrates and his companions and said, This is an opportune meeting for I am about to give a dinner in honour of Autolycus and his father, and I think that my entertainment would present a great deal more brilliance if my dining room were graced with the presence of men like you, whose hearts have undergone philosophy's purification, than it would with generals and cavalry commanders and office seekers. I like that. Mm -hmm. So he's saying, screw these guests, send them home. He got them escorted home. And he thought, right, these guys look much better. Well, he's still having the ones that he sent home. He sent them onto his house. Oh, I thought he sent them home. He's not doing a full switcheroo. (laughs) That would be brutal. That's rude. (laughs) Actually, you guys, you're rubbish. (laughs) But what he is doing is noticing some very eminent, illustrious potential guests and thinking, I need them because I need them to elevate my party. These guys would be good at my party. Exactly. And the language is about him catching sight of these people. So specifically the visuals of these faces. So we know that the drinking party, the symposium, there would have been lots of impressive tableware, impressive dishes coming out of the kitchens. But the people who were there, you wanted the eminent faces, the well-known people, the heavy hitters in classical Athens. That's who you wanted. You want someone to come into a room and see these faces and go, this is a good party. This is where I want to be tonight. Nice. I'm going to tie a few on here, not (laughs) just one. Hand me the ribbons. (laughs) So when I read this, I felt that there was a certain curating of the party. Mm. And so it might just be to the detriment of your friends. It might not just be that you want your friends over. In fact, you might end up inviting people that you didn't particularly like. Certainly that you didn't particularly know. I'm assuming because if your aim was to elevate yourself and climb up in society, then actually you don't just want your busy mates over, do you? You want these illustrious people. Well, I think that's a really good point, isn't it? Because these parties weren't necessarily about drinking. It was a very controlled, orchestrated event. Definitely. So you don't necessarily want your mate who's not very good at chatting. No, you didn't want that because the conversation was a really important part of it. It wasn't just a byproduct of the event. You actually specifically wanted to be having good conversation, philosophical debate. Very nice. 
And also on the subject of the visuals, the drinking vessels were really important. There were fashions and trends, and you wanted to be either following those trends very closely or setting them. The visuals all around were really important. And also one other very particular aspect of the symposium was entertainment. Mm. And that was separate to the conversation. The entertainment was often very visual in nature as well. You might have acrobats, jugglers, dancing, mime, all that sort of thing. So Caroline, if you were hosting a symposium, what would you do? Would you invite your good friends? Or would you invite the most illustrious group of people that London had to offer? I'm very lucky that my very close friends are the most... <laughs> you can't even the finish the illustrious. sentence. Yeah, sorry, that's not true. Sorry, guys. So back to everyone's mate Plato. I've got my second extract from him. This is a tiny bit later in the day. We've had Alcibiades turning up drunk. And he Legend. Would, and he <laughs> joins in the party with all his ribbons. And he decides that everyone isn't quite drunk enough for him. Mm. So he imposes himself as the symposiarch and kind of takes over and orders everyone to drink to catch up with him. Okay. So let me read you this. This is Plato's Symposium 214A to D. What procedure is this, Alcibiades, said Eryximachus? Are we to have nothing to say or sing over the cup? Are we going to drink just like any thirsty folk? What are we to do? To this, Alcibiades answered, Whatever you command, for we are bound to obey you, so prescribe what you please. Then listen, said Eryximachus. We resolved before your arrival that each, in order from left to right, should make the finest speech he could upon love and glorify its name. Now all of us here have spoken, so you, since you've made no speech and have drained your cup, must do your duty and speak. This done, you should prescribe what you like for Socrates, and he for his neighbour on the right, and so on with the rest. I want you to consider sound. Alcibiades turned up and anointed himself as symposiarch. Eryximachus was the official symposiarch of this party. Okay. And the symposiarch, I'm sure you're aware, does things like decide how many bowls of wine are going to be drunk. Mm -hmm. Decides on what conversation is going to be. Decides when people toast, when people drink, when people down their glasses. He is very much in charge of the proceedings, like the master of revels or ceremonies. So he mentions there at the beginning of the party, they decided that they weren't going to drink very much and they were going to all give a speech on love. The conversation, the speeches, the song went around the room. Each person spoke in turn and there are very strict rules to be adhered to. The job of the symposiarch is to oversee these rules and in this particular example, when you finished making your speech about love, that's when you're allowed to drink. He's having a little go at Alcibiades here because he just turned up and actually drank straight out of the mixing bowl. Whoa. He downed like a huge glass of wine <laughs> and then tried to make Socrates do it. Socrates did do it, but then Eric Simicus says, hang on, to be fair, I'm the symposiarch, right? Sit down. I'm glad he asserted his authority. He did, yeah. He definitely kind of said, right, this is my party, even though it's not his house. He's still the director of the party. 
So the flow of the conversation flows like the wine round the room, round and round like water and wine being mixed together. There's a nice flow to the whole evening. It also creates natural breaks in the drinking. You have to wait for somebody to end their speech and then everyone can drink, right? Mm -hmm. And it's drinking to facilitate the flow of conversation. This is why the cups are small and difficult to drink out of. I mean, have you ever tried drinking out of a saucer? No, you did try and get me to do that today for authenticity's sake. But. We, we couldn't quite find a <laughs> Kylix. So we're drinking out of well, uh, ramekins. A ramekin, yeah. <laughs> what this also highlights is the equality. There's no real domination of the conversation or the soundscape by one person. He's there, the, the symposiarch is there to ensure that everyone speaks and that everyone speaks equally. Because mm. they also, they want a harmonious event, don't they? They want people to be on a level. Yes. You want Visually. That. Yeah, visually, but also everyone to be on the same sort of plane in terms of their mm. inebriation. <laughs> yes, yes. So at one point in my extract there, he says, do your duty and make a speech very much part of the drinking party was this speech giving and that made me think it's huge pressure on being a good guest like you said earlier it might not be your mates but are you able to speak well are you able to sing you've got to be able to perform effectively Mm. and I just want to say one more thing music was used in quite a similar way to establish this flow and rhythm and order to the proceedings so it could kind of meter out the rhythm of the drinking or put breaks in the drinking. So now we have a performance, that kind of thing. Okay, yeah. But what is nice is you don't just get one person droning on. And as your extract links to sound, and it plays into that idea of the soundscape, doesn't it? The differences, also the flow, but the fact that you've got different things going on. Mm. Alcibiades then, he's really reminding me of someone who's just turned up way too drunk to his mate's birthday, stag do weekend away with the lads anything like that yeah yeah and he's gone really hard too fast yeah. <laughs> on day one he's become a bit of a liability already well it's... especially at this party because they all decided that they'd had a few the night before so they weren't yes. going to go hard yeah did you come across the game cotter boss i think we should play it later <laughs> i'm all ready to go <laughs> So this was a game where you would swell the remnants of your wine in your cup and then throw them at a target, which was set up in the middle of the room. It's fun. It sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah. I would imagine, obviously, the more the night goes on, the poorer your aim becomes. It's potentially a very messy situation for the poor slaves of the household. Clearing up after you. Yeah. I'm imagining there's a lot of spillage after some of these events. Yeah, definitely. Vomit and otherwise. I know. Yeah. Sounds a bit wrong, doesn't it? And as you say, a windowless, sort of airless room. Oh, that's true. It could get a bit stinky. Yeah. How many guests would you usually expect to be at a symposium? So the Andron is quite a small room, relatively. You could probably fit three to a couch, and there might be seven couches. That's so quite a lot, then. But there would be a bit of a squeeze. Yeah. I feel like a good number of people would be about 10, but mm. it could be up to 20. I would much prefer to have one couch to myself or with one other person. Okay, well, luckily, we've only got two couches. <laughs> so can yeah, we can actually play musical couches if we wanted to. <laughs> well, shall I take us on to our final source of the episode? And it fits very nicely with what you were just regaling us with. Is it Plato? It is Plato. (laughs) Shocking. From his excellent work, The Symposium. Never heard of it. (laughs) 
So this is Plato's Symposium. It's an earlier point in the dialogue than the two we've had already today. Lines 177 to 194. They were about to commence drinking when Pausanias said, And now, my friends, how can we drink with least injury to ourselves? I can assure you that I feel severely the effect of yesterday's potations and must have time to recover. And I suspect most of you are in the same predicament, for you are at the same party. Consider then, how can the drinking be made easiest? Aristophanes said, I entirely agree that we should avoid hard drinking for I was myself one of those who were pretty well soaked yesterday. I think you're right, said Eryximachus, but there is still one person I should like the opinion of. Agathon, how strong are you feeling? Very weak, replied Agathon. Very weak indeed. A godsend for the rest of us then, said Eryximachus, that those with the strongest heads have given in. Nice. At one point I did think you were going to say I'm suffering from all the potatoes yesterday. <laughs> no, potations. Potations is a good word. Yeah, I think we need to use it more in common parlance. So are we talking about taste? We are talking about taste. Nice. And we have touched on it before and it's regarding the wine, the strength of the wine and actually what you have here is this group of people setting the pace for the rest of the event. They're being pretty sensible Sounds like they weren't so sensible yesterday. Mm. And it would usually be the host, the symposiarch, who decided the strength of the wine. But here we have a democratic, very Greek discussion about how serious this drinking session is going to get. And I really quite liked that. Yeah. The idea is everyone's drinking the same, right? Mm. So again, it's that equality thing. Yeah. And you don't get that nowadays. When you go to the pub, everyone's drinking something different. It's yes. quite odd that you've got everyone drinking the same thing at the same time. Yeah. You do still get the rounds thing in a pub, though, don't you? So people will go to the bar to get a round. True, but somebody has a gin and tonic, somebody has a glass of wine, somebody has a beer. True, yeah. This is the same thing. Hmm. It was typical in a symposium to drink in rounds, as you alluded to earlier. So everyone is drinking at that same pace. Mm. You're keeping everyone kind of in harmony. Mm. And also there's that element of control that you talked about earlier. So it's a controlled party. It's a controlled party. We're not going to go wild. Yeah, because you don't want someone getting absolutely trashed in the corner. Mm. Alcibiades, take note. <laughs> and everyone else to be just a little bit tipsy. You want to maintain the equilibrium of everything. But then I thought, that's quite difficult, isn't it? Because people get drunk at different paces. Just naturally. Just naturally. Yeah. People can people have different levels of tolerance. Yeah. You know, just having what could be, you know, six rounds of wine could be great for one person, but for Chappie over there in the corner, it could be absolutely all bets are off, he's done. He's crying into his cup. Yeah. I mean, I know some people who have much higher tolerance than than others. And also then the next day. There's people who can deal with the after effects of alcohol Absolutely. much more efficiently than some. Well, let's hope they were wearing several wreaths and ribbons. <laughs> it was though normal practice to dilute the wine. Mm. In fact, it was thought of by many to be barbaric if you drank undiluted wine. Do you know what the usual percentages would be in terms of how much to dilute your wine? I do. There was a, a lot of debate on it, but it seemed that five parts water to two parts wine was the right mixture and that created a kind of beer strength mm. to the wine. That's quite diluted in mm. my view. Also, you could add things to it for flavour. So it wasn't just wine and water, people would add things to it for a little bit of spice. 
Oh, okay. So herbs and... And the like, yeah. Boot. A bit like adding botanicals to a G&T today. <laughs> Can I just say, though, I loved Agathon at the end. I'm very weak. <laughs> Poor Agathon. Very weak Maybe indeed. Maybe he just shouldn't have a party. You yeah, know? it's his house, isn't it? Just call it off. Yeah. But he needed to save face, you know? You can't... Surely cancelling a symposium. They'd all been out the night before. It's not like this was a (laughs) one-off. But these are also opportunities for people to show off, aren't they? You know, maybe, you know, do a bit of boasting. Think about Petronius in the Satyricon. That is true. Showing off your social status. Yeah. I did read on some public events there were wine watchers employed that would make sure that everyone was drinking the same. Oh, right. So could they chiver you along if they thought you were dawdling? Yeah. And they also, which is quite nice, gave you a little torch to get home with afterwards. Oh, that's cute. So they were at the party. They would watch your intake. And then before you left, they'd give you a little torch. Yeah. Nice. So you got home safe. I like that. Care in the community. To that end, I actually have a sneaky extra extract. This is a Eubulus fragment the god Dionysus is speaking and explaining the effects of drinking. Mm -hmm. He says, Three crates only do I propose for sensible men, one for health, the second for love and pleasure, and the third for sleep. When this has been drunk up, wise guests make for home. The fourth crater is mine no longer, but belongs to hubris. The fifth to shouting, the sixth to revel, the seventh to black eyes, the eighth to summonses, the ninth to bile, and the tenth to madness, and people tossing the furniture about. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's an excellent extract. So only three. Three so, is the sensible number. So even, and that's coming from Dionysus himself, so the god of wine and revelry. You'd got to listen to him. I would totally listen to him. Alcibiades definitely did not. Did not. What number do we think he got to? I think he was on 10 or 11. <laughs> I'm not sure he's capable of throwing <laughs> furniture at this stage. I have some fun facts, if I may... About a Roman town. Okay. Sybaris in southern Italy. So not classical Greece, I'm afraid. No worries. But I found some good fun facts about their drinking party habits. Okay. (laughs) Specific to this town? Yes, specific to Sybaris. So apparently they partied so hard that they banned roosters so that the roosters (laughs) wouldn't get them up early in the morning. And also, they had wine piped directly from vineyards into the city. No, that's crazy. This is good commitment to the symposium or the convivium, which is the the Roman version. Yeah, they've definitely taken it one step further, haven't they? Yeah, that's commitment. The problem with that, though, is that if it's piped in, you have no way of knowing how many ribbons you should be wearing. That's true, but it sounds like the Sybaris folk didn't care. But I can get on board with the No Roosters symposium or not. (laughs) Ban the roosters. (laughs) No one wants to get up early. The entertainment for today's symposium is a party quiz. That's fun. You up for it? I can take two quiz team members because there's only two people here. Yes, correct. Come on, Xenophon. Come (laughs) on, Plato. So this is a quiz about wine. Seven points are available. Okay. Right? Question one. There were four main types of wine in ancient Greece and they were known by colour. Which of these is not a valid variety? Red, white, orange, yellow, or black? White. Incorrect. Orange. Question two. The four types of wine, so red, white, yellow, and black, had taste classifications of light, sour, or sweet. 
I would like you to match the colour to the taste. I'm going to say one of the colours and then you tell me whether it's light, sour or sweet. Okay? Yeah. Four points available. White. Light. Correct. Yellow. Sour. Sour. Correct. Red. Sweet. Correct. And black. Uh, sour. No. Sweet. Sweet. Oh, come on. You got three out of four. That's pretty good. Question three. True or false? The physician Hippocrates would prescribe different varieties of wines to treat different ailments. True. Correct. Question four. The ancient Greeks added various ingredients to their wine to give flavour. Which of these three is a genuine addition? Garum or fish sauce? Dill or fennel? Fennel. Dill. Dill? Yeah. I famously hate dill. <laughs> you got four points out of seven there. Do you know what? We've all had a few. <laughs> I think that's, that's a good score. Not too bad. Not too bad. What is my season total? Let me do a quick totting up. Your quiz performance in season two, Caroline, yeah. is significantly better than your quiz performance in season one. Yes. You got 24.5 out of 33, which equates to 74%. Okay. Whereas in season one, you only achieved 21 out of 37.5, which is a, a measly 56%. Okay. So you've done really well. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you so, so much for joining us during season two. I'm going to go and find the lamp guy so he can take me home. Okay, sure. Do you want a ribbon? I've got several already, but I'll always <laughs> take another. If you like what you heard today, then please do take the time to like, subscribe, rate or share wherever you download your podcasts. Remember, you can contact us on Instagram, X, via our email or on our website. See you next time. See you later. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.